Thank you. I think that he's delighted. <laughs> well, great to see you all again after a week in lockdown, another week, and hopefully things are getting back to normal. I've still got to clear up my home office for, from the dining room table and sort a few things out and vacuum my lounge after having the grandkids around, at least at level three, we can do that. Talking about vacuuming, when I was growing up, my mother used to make me do the vacuuming just about all the time, and seeing that I had a twin sister and younger siblings, I always felt that was a bit unfair. Liar, liar. Hmm. Anyway, once I protested to my mother, this is not fair, and she said that I had to do it because I was thorough. I mean, hey, even more unfair. But that's enough therapy for today, moving on. I read about a lady who was like me. She didn't like vacuuming, but she was very thorough. And so she sort of worked out this strategy. She would listen to music or podcasts while she was vacuuming to make it more fun. And one day she was diligently pulling out all the furniture, vacuuming behind, underneath the edges, under the beds, like you all do, right? The whole deal. Meanwhile, she was enjoying this podcast. Well, when she finished, she went to unplug the vacuum cleaner. Uh-oh wasn't plugged in. She was so distracted by this podcast that she didn't notice that the vacuum cleaner wasn't on. I think it must have been one that didn't have very much, much suction happening, but anyway. But you know, vacuum cleaning is just a chore that has to be done, right? But distraction is the way bigger issue. And we've been seeing again this little clip from Wayne Cadero when he said, always remember that one of the devil's greatest weapons is not destruction, it's distraction. And I just wanna pick, on that, pick up on that a bit this morning, that one of the devil's greatest weapons is not destruction, it's distraction. Easy to forget that. Distractions don't really seem to be too much of a big deal. You know, they can cause problems, accidents, of course. We can go to an important event with two different shoes on. Mm-hmm. Can't remember whether, where we parked the car. I'm not gonna ask how many people have left their baby behind somewhere. People do that. There was a lady who took her dog for a walk and she very diligently gathered up the doggy doings and put them in the poop bag, and then when later on she dropped the bag into a dog waste container, and then later on again she was sitting in the bus and she could smell this awful stink. Uh-oh, she'd put the dog poop in her pocket and dropped her wallet into the dog waste container. Ugh. Now most of the time the outcomes of our distractions are not quite that earth-shattering. They can be hilarious, inconvenient, embarrassing, and then it goes on down. Dangerous, expensive, sometimes even tragic. But we're looking at distraction as one of the devil's greatest weapons. And then when it's like that, it definitely is a threat to our walk with God. 
and something that we really need to take seriously and take some steps to overcome. Now, it's been said that among the enemies to devotion, nothing is so harmful as distractions. The world is full of them. My head's full of them at times. I bet yours is too. Distractions must be conquered or they will conquer us. And isn't that the truth? The meaning of the word translated distraction in the Bible is something that will draw apart, pull in different directions, separate, divide, throw into conclusion. Sounds to me like that might be where the phrase scatterbrain came from. Someone was at a Christian conference and during the praise and worship, they saw this lady. Now, they must have been looking around, but they saw this lady. She had one hand up in the air praising God. With the other hand, she was sending a text message. I'm left-handed, you see. But that's how the Bible describes distraction, isn't it? Something that pulls us in different directions, and that's what was happening to that lady pulled in different directions, hardly the way to get into God's presence. And then the dictionary adds another layer of meaning to distraction, something that draws our attention away from what we're supposed to be doing. Now, most of us know how easy it is to be pulled in two directions or to have our attention drawn away from what we're supposed to be doing. And as I said, the world is full of distractions. Likewise, our heads ditto our phones, it's all there. And when we add that dimension of distraction as a powerful weapon in the hands of the devil, that whole issue is magnified and it becomes a way bigger, bigger deal than any funny little episode that we go through. Now, of course, I do have to say here, there, is definitely, um, there are definitely positive aspects of distraction. Every parent knows that and other things too. There are some real positives, but today I'm specifically looking at it as this negative aspect. Moving on to prayer. Now we know that communication is the lifeblood to any relationship, marriage, work, whatever, and prayer is the primary means of our communication with God. I'm talking about prayer that involves both hearing and listening, talking and listening, I mean. Prayer is that key part of our relationship with God, and so it makes sense that it's, it's the thing that is really targeted by the enemy. And distraction just so intrudes into our prayer times. It literally turns us into scatterbrains. And these distractions that come when we're praying, often they're so mundane, so innocuous, it's not like anything really bad, but they work because they seriously diminish our ability to focus and they seriously eat into the time that we have to spend in prayer. Do you know that even our best prayer warriors have their battles in these areas? You know, some time ago, Alison Shaw shared this testimony in a prayer meeting, and we loved it. Not just because it was a great testimony, but it's just encouraging to know that even our top intercessors have these same struggles because we're all in the same boat. So in Alison's words, she says, I enjoy prayer walking. It's my happy place. 
I relish the time to just be alone with God. Once I was out on such a walk and as I approached home, I realized I hadn't prayed at all. Rather, I'd planned my day, I'd given a lot of thought to a project I was working on and to a presentation I had to give. I asked God to forgive me and help me to stay focused. I felt him reply to me straight away saying, don't exclude me, include me in everything. I want you to see that the ideas and opportunities come from me. I want you to see that I'm the source of everything that you do. And then she goes on, that phrase stayed with me, include me in everything that you do. I'm learning that when I get distracted, and I still do, I need to redirect my thoughts, worries, and fears to him, include him. When I do, it changes my perspective. So Alison gets distracted, just like the rest of us. But God spoke to her, and there's just some little keys here that I think can help all of us. Firstly, and I've always done this myself, we ask God to forgive us and to help us to stay focused, and he does. And secondly, and this is so good, Alison turns these distractions, thoughts, plans, fears, whatever's distracting her, into prayers. She includes God in that. Now, secondly, sorry, thirdly, she says, I'm learning that when I get distracted, and I still do, I need to redirect my thoughts, worries, fears to him, include him, and I think, how wonderful that God wants to be included in all these things, plans, projects, even when they're distracting us, and asks to, ask to bring them to him in prayer. And I think that's such a reminder that all the wisdom, the creative ideas, even when these things are distracting us, come from him and he wants to be involved in them. And finally, he wants us to bring all our cares and worries, even when they're distracting us, to him, because he cares about us. And I think that just shows us how gracious and merciful God is, and how he's working all things for good. He will use these distractions and prayer to help to draw us closer to him. God also really wants us to establish good habits with prayer, that daily prayer walk, whatever it is, getting to prayer meetings. You know, a few weeks ago, I was talking to someone who's going through a really difficult time in their life right now, and it's going on for a while. But one thing that they really stressed is how grateful they are for all the prayer meetings I've been to over the years, because through that, They've really learned how to pray, and that's such an advantage for them in this particular time. Also, Sam's analogy of waiting on God like a waitress waiting on a table, because that just clarified for me or just gave me some graphic um, understanding of what it means to wait to be waiting on a table like being alert, listening, watchful, tuned in while we wait on God. And that also brings to mind the thought of the, um, the prophet Samuel as a boy when Eli instructed him what to say when he heard God calling his name. First Samuel 3 and verse 7. 
So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he called you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Just that thought of waiting on God, waiting for him to speak. Now, I often find, and I'm sure many of you are the same, that when I'm waiting on God or when I'm praying in tongues, that I really need to anchor my mind on something because I can be praying in tongues and my mind will be off on a tangent. And so for me, it's words. You know, usually a Bible verse or part of a verse or a bit of a song that we've been singing. You know, um, and often it'll be those words, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, or Jesus, name above all names, or something like that, just to anchor my thoughts while I wait or while I'm praying in tongues. That really helps. A sip of water will help too. Right. <clears throat> Moving on, we'll look at the classic distraction story, Martha and Mary. Now, Martha, her sister Mary, and their brother Lazarus were among Jesus' closest friends, John 11, verse 15. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So we're going to look at the story in Luke 10, 38 to 42. Now, it happened as they, as they went that Jesus entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and he said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Now, hospitality is important in the Bible, and it's important to us as Christians. And here we see Martha swinging into action by welcoming Jesus into her home, and then she gets busy, most likely preparing a meal for Jesus and for his disciples. Meanwhile, Mary sits at Jesus' feet, listening to his teaching. Now, this is not the norm for a woman back in those days and in her culture. She was probably the only woman sitting among the disciples. Now, after a while, Mary is just driven to distraction with all the work she has to do. So she comes to Jesus, and as we've read, she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And we know how Jesus responded. Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. There is need for only one thing. Now, Martha's problem here is not so much that she was busy serving. I mean, Jesus actually commends this kind of service in different places, but he picks up on the fact that she's worried and distracted. And remember that Greek word translated distracted has the idea of being pulled in different directions. Martha is literally all over the place in this little scenario. Martha's distraction and worry cancelled out the most important aspect of hospitality, and that was graciously looking after her guest. 
and to make matters worse, she would have really embarrassed her sister in front of the guest, and then she tried to drag him into the family dispute. She even goes as far as accusing Jesus of not caring about her. Lord, don't you care? Now Martha was a friend of Jesus and a believer, but she gets distracted and it's like all downhill from there on out. Now these distractions are not like really bad sins, but it's the effect of them that makes them so dangerous. Now Martha wasn't having an extramarital affair, running a brothel, selling drugs out of a basement, it was nothing like that. Jesus simply rebuked her for being distracted by much serving. She was so caught up with doing things for Jesus that she missed being with Jesus. So you see how distraction seriously prevented her from appreciating and making the most of the opportunity to spend time with this wonderful and amazing guest in her home. Jesus was gentle with Martha. I think his words could even be a bit like an invitation. Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Maybe the thought, come and join us. Now Martha might have been feeling pretty bad all round. She was upset with Mary. Maybe now she was upset with herself. I wonder if she's like so many of us in today's fast-paced world with our hectic lifestyles. Did she feel like her worth was measured by how busy or how productive she was? Or maybe, you know, did people like her if they liked her food? Hmm? But Jesus is offering the one thing that she needs, his presence, relationship with him, the opportunity to sit at his feet and just let it sink in, that the one thing that really matters is knowing that she's a beloved child of God who is valued for who she is, not for what she does. But Martha got distracted by all this work, and one of the problems here is that it led to her being resentful toward her sister for not helping. I think we get that, right? I mean, who hasn't asked or muttered, or at least had the thought, Jesus, don't you care that my sister, my friend, my husband, my wife, somebody has left me to do all the work? Tell them to help me. Now this can also be a problem, I've heard, for those who do the lion's share of serving in the church. Sometimes they might look around and get the idea that others are not pulling their weight and they can feel resentful that they're being left to do all the work. Resentment and unforgiveness, that's a biggie, that's a sermon all by itself. If that's us, we need to forgive and to find forgiveness for our own attitude. Now sometimes in this story, we try to figure out, am I a Mary or am I a Martha? But this is not an either or situation. And sorry, ladies, but choosing the, the good portion here like Mary did doesn't mean that we get out of doing the cooking. Sorry about that. 
we still have to fulfill our responsibilities and pursue an intimate relationship with Jesus at the same time. This lesson is not about choosing one or the other, it's about priority, about making our relationship with God the first priority. It's gotta come first, giving it quality time in prayer and his word, it's got to be locked in, set in concrete, non-negotiable. Jesus must be our top priority. Now Luke's story here leaves us hanging. We don't know what happened next. Whether Martha and Mary were reconciled, whether they were all able to enjoy the meal that Martha prepared, whether Martha was finally able to sit down and give her full attention to Jesus, we don't know. But God recorded this little domestic incident in his eternal word. So there's something important here for us all to get. You know, that tells us it's very important for all people right down through all ages to understand that relationship with Jesus is the top priority. And also, secondly, to see how important it is for all of us to be alerted to the dangers of distraction, one of the enemy's greatest weapons. So we've got to go after the one thing that is needed. So easy to be like Martha, distracted with our hectic schedules, and drawn in by that temptation to measure our worth by how busy we are. You know, it's a bit like a badge of honour, isn't it? We wear it with pride, you know, and I've done it a million times. Somebody says, how are you? Oh, I'm so busy. That's code for, I'm so important. What would they do without me, isn't it? But if our busyness leaves us cranky and resentful and worst of all with no time for God, no time for his presence or prayer or the word, then our priorities are wrong. Someone said if Satan can't tempt us through fear or falling away from God, he'd be happy just to keep us busy. So we need to choose that better portion. We need to make that rock solid decision and you know that he comes first and just fully surrender our lives to God and put him first in everything. And one of our favorite verses, isn't it? Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Now here comes the ouchy part, okay? We must pay attention. Always so hard, isn't it? But the Christian life is a hearing life. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Well, we love that that verse, we're all sheep. But it's hard enough to listen to another human being without getting distracted or multitasking or whatever else we do when we're supposed to be listening. But it's actually way easier to get distracted when we're trying to listen to God who we can't even see. We really have to pay attention. And notice how we always say pay. Pay attention, that's because it costs us. Attention is a valuable thing to receive and it can be a costly thing to give. Now Jesus is the expert at paying attention. He never misses anything. 
and we've got to learn to follow his example. And firstly, we have to pay attention to God and to his word. Proverbs 4 verse 23, my son or my daughter, give attention to my words. Now Jesus often finished his teaching by saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now that's a bit cryptic because Jesus was saying that to people who were already sitting and listening to his teaching. He knew everybody was listening, but they weren't all taking it in. And how easy is it to tune out when we're reading the Bible or listening to a sermon and afterwards it's like, oh, what was that all about? So we have to make that effort to tune in and that's one way that we pay attention and one way that we overcome the enemy's weapon of destruction. So God requires that we listen to him. It's not in one ear and out the other. It's not half there like a bump on the log or speed reading through our daily portion of scripture. That's not paying attention. Now we all know that focused listening is not easy, not automatic, and when it comes to God, paying, just, paying attention has got an added cost because hearing goes hand in hand with obedience. We're not to be just hearers, but we've got to be doers also of the word. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. We also have to pay attention to God in worship, and of course the devil does not want us to worship God in spirit and in truth. He doesn't want us to enjoy God's presence or be transformed or healed and all the things that go with that. And so he does everything he can to distract us and get us to tune out. So what distracts you from worship? It can be just the smallest things that distract us. You know, I sometimes get distracted if there's a spelling mistake or a grammar mistake in the slide and I see people smiling. So easy to do. For others, maybe it's lunch or something they have to do or someone they have to connect with after the service. The devil's aim is just to have us going through worship on automatic pilot. And it's so easy to do, but there's no way that we can love God with all our heart and soul and mind if our mind and our heart is only half there. So we've just got to discipline our minds, exercise self-control, pay attention. Now, when I find myself distracted in worship, I find it helps to really focus on the words, not the spelling, the meaning. <laughs> Forget the spelling. Go for the meaning of the words. That's something that, I mean, everyone's got to find their own way, but I find it helps to really focus on the meaning of the words. The Christian life is an attentive, attentive and focused and hearing life. Okay, coming back to that Wayne Cadero clip, he started with these words, always remember that one of the devil's greatest weapons is not destruction, it's distraction. Always remember is another key for getting victory over distraction. Now, if you were going on a big OE or a holiday, say in Europe, which won't be happening for the next few years probably, but if you were, 
No doubt somebody would warn you about all the pickpockets and thieves and some of the tricks of their trade. You know, there's the bird poop scam, like somebody sneaks up beside you and they very discreetly squirt some fake bird poop on you. And then they helpfully point it out and they offer to help you get cleaned up. And while they're searching for their baby wipes and talking to you and getting you sorted out, their accomplice sneaks up and grabs your bag. There's all kinds of distractions. Someone bumps into you, gets your attention. Meanwhile, their mate grabs all their stuff. On Google, there's one title that says 15 tips to outsmart pickpockets in Europe. And do you know, there's, there's page after page after page after page of all those articles on Google. So anyway, you're going to Europe, so you read all, the, all this stuff, you don't do your homework, you get all clued up, and then you go off on your holiday and you're enjoying your time that's not going to do you a blind bit of good if you forget it. You've got to remember, and that's the key, we've got to remember that one of the devil's greatest weapons is not destruction, it's distraction, because if we forget it, what's the point? So it's remembering, being alert, being on to it. Got to be on to it. You know, distraction is a well-known and very successful strategy that untold pickpockets and these so-called distraction thieves have used forever all over the world. But it gets worse. Criminals can steal our money and they can steal our stuff. But Satan is their ultimate inspiration. And he uses this strategy to rob us of our walk with God and the blessings that that can bring. He wants to steal our peace, our faith, our joy, everything that Jesus means to us. He will distract us away from our devotional life, from prayer, from the word, from worship, from listening to preaching, prayer meetings, whatever. And one key to overcoming is to remember, like forearm, forewarned is forearm, just to be onto it alert, aware, remember. Another key, streamline. No, I'm not talking about losing weight. Forget about that. I mean prioritising our lives, especially our time, to make room for that first choice or that better portion. And priority is the key. We can't let a lack of time or the hectic pace of our lives be an excuse for squeezing out our time with God, that one thing that's necessary. We've got to streamline our lives, maybe deal with the things that distract us away from God, just somehow carving out that time for the spiritual disciplines having a look at where our time goes, maybe getting up a bit earlier or cutting back on things that are not so much of a top priority. Ephesians 5 and verse 16 says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. You know, years ago we used to sing a, t sing a song called Eagle's Wings and there was a line, teach me dear Lord to live all my life through your eyes. We can't live our life through Jesus' eyes if we're just drifting through life distracted. We've got to be alert, ready to pick up the cues from God, 
ready to turn aside to look at a burning bush, willing to pay attention to God, to his word. And I think I've run out of time, so God bless you. Thank you very much. Let's just pray. Mm. Father, we just thank you that you have reserved the best portion for us, that you are there for us to have that wonderful relationship. And Lord, we just pray that you would help us all to overcome this work of the enemy, this distraction, and Lord, just to make the most of this wonderful opportunity to have that great relationship with you. Just help us all in this and bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.